listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. You would not believe how many people when we travel the country, and I'm talking about Christians that have been uh, in church for a number of years, and anybody that's on that's in ministry can attest to this. One of the things that blows my mind for believers is how many of them do not understand how powerful your words are. I mean, I don't understand why there are so many believers that take their words for granted and just literally will say anything uh, about their life, about their family, about their job. They have no understanding of the fact that your words carry power, you know, that your words carry authority. You know, that, um, that concept from the book of Proverbs, it's like it goes right past their face, that the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it eat the fruit thereof. And I, you know, Carolyn's on, she would understand. She can agree with me. We've been blown away by how many Christians, how many believers just simply do not understand the power that is in your words. And, uh, as a result, you know what they do? They just literally say whatever their confession is all over the place. It's all over the place. But understand, if you're created in the image and in the likeness of God, then what's true about him is true about you. If he breathed the breath of life into your body and that same power is released when you speak, then we should never take our words for granted or our confessions and declarations. We should purposefully use them, purposefully use them. Andrew Reyes put it in the comments section from Job 22, 28, a familiar scripture to all of us. You shall decree a thing and it will be established. And of course, Ariana popped it in on the uh, comments. Uh, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. So our, you, you understand our words are like God's words in that they carry power to perform. I don't understand why so many Christians overlooked that, or maybe they've just never been taught that, that they know it's just like, well, just say what everybody else is saying, say what you want. It's a, such a dangerous thing to just say what everybody else is saying and just to say whatever you want. That's why the Bible says that you have to set a watch at your mouth, set a watch at your mouth. You have to be careful. You have to guard your tongue, guard your words. Why? They carry power to perform. So, you know, I, I, want you to, I want you to understand this with me today because this is why I'm so excited about this uh, book coming out, this, this Lines devotional, is because many of us, and, and all of us could go higher in this area, we need to not only recognize the power of our words, but then have a plan to literally use those words to not only uh, say positive things, because we're not just talking about saying positive things. We're talking about creating things in the natural realm from the supernatural by our words. That's so, that's so vital.
There's my nephew, Isaiah. I love you, buddy. Miss you too. Bob's Clam Hut is in Kittery, Maine. I've been there. It's delicious. Go to YouTube, Ken. Everybody that's having breakup issues, go to YouTube. Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. on YouTube. Go there and watch on YouTube. Watch on YouTube. Watch on YouTube. Um, so what I'm telling you is when we harness, and this is the this is the most important thing that about this that I wish people could understand. When you harness the power of faith-filled words, you are literally giving yourself access to the supernatural realm daily. You can, you know, you can have what you say. Jesus taught that to his disciples in Mark chapter 11. You can have what you say. And so what you've got to do is recognize that when I speak, it's not just words coming out of my mouth. It is actual power and virtue coming out of my mouth. And that would be something great for uh, for us to put in the comments to start off today is this. When I speak, power is released. Put that in the comments. When I speak, power is released. Such an important concept for us to understand as supernatural beings. When I speak, power is released. And then you determine by what you speak, what type of power is released. That's what Proverbs 18, 21 is all about. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So when you speak, you've got to understand you can speak death and sometimes you want to. And you can speak life. Here's the key. You've got to speak death to the right things. And you've got to speak life to the right things. You see that? You've got to speak death to the right things. And you've got to speak life to the right things. For example, Jesus himself, when he came to the fig tree that, by the way, was operating in a spirit of rebellion towards what God created it to do. He spoke to it and literally spoke death to the fig tree. He said, may no one eat fruit from you from this day and hereafter. And the Bible says that the fig tree withered up at the roots and died. And his disciples said, Lord, the fig tree you cursed, it's withered and dead. Withered and dead. And he said, have faith in God. So he didn't speak life to that tree. He spoke death to that tree. Isn't that interesting? Jesus spoke death to that tree. You have the power to speak death. So for example, what are some things that would require death to be spoken to it? Well, if something attacked your body and it's foreign in your body, like a tumor, cancer cells, whatever it might be, arthritis, any kind of disease. You don't speak life to those things. You speak death to them. You speak death to them and you command them to die. Every tumor has to die. Every cancer cell has to die. Viruses, bacteria, every wicked thing that tries to touch your body that's not from God, it must die by the power of the Holy Ghost. You speak to it. Ken, if you search my name, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., it's right on the top of the, of the channel when you go to YouTube. It's right at the top of the channel. 
All of those foreign things have to die when you speak. Why? Because the power of death is in the tongue. We expect wicked things to be destroyed when we speak to them. You know what's interesting? When Jesus was on the ship with his disciples, a demonic wind arose and caused a storm that was so great that the disciples who had been out on the sea many times, some of them fishermen, they said, this storm's so bad, we're going to die. And they woke Jesus up and he rebuked them for their little faith. And then notice this, he spoke to the wind and rebuked it. He spoke and rebuked it. And when he rebuked it, that power that came out of his mouth attacked the demonic wind that was causing the storm. And the Bible says, and the wind ceased and the waves were calmed. Notice, you don't have to rebuke the waves. The waves were only being stirred up by the wind. Not only that, it was a demonic wind, but God is the creator of the waves in the water. You don't have to rebuke what God created. You rebuke what the enemy creates and sends. Notice that when the wind was dealt with, the waves just calmed. The wind was the issue. And so Jesus rebuked it. There are things you're anointed to rebuke. I've dealt with this before. Mark chapter 5, you have the story of the man with a legion of demons. You know what Jesus said? Shut up. Shut up. There are things that we are anointed to tell to shut up. Every negative report that's been spoken against you, that's been sent against you, every wicked thing that tries to attack your body or your family, your mind, your finances, you have power in your words to rebuke those things and command them to flee. See, that's why I love this. <clears throat> the Bible says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. If you're a part of God's family, which you are if you're saved, you're in covenant with Christ, then he's on your side. If there are things that are his enemies, they're your enemies. So when, and because of this, remember this, the Holy Spirit, YouTube is a free website. You just go to youtube.com. Um, if you're on God's side, remember this, the Holy Spirit dwells in your body. So we understand that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Godhead. So Paul had to remind those that were Christians in Greece, in Corinth, he said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? So understand this, the third person of the Godhead lives in your body. I mean, think about that. The third person of the Godhead lives in your body. I want you to put that in the comments section. The third person of the Godhead lives in my body. Powerful thought, man.
And I'm going to show you why in a minute. The third person of the Godhead lives in my body. Well, when you understand that, then you start to realize, like in Psalm 68, when the Bible says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered, know this, Jesus is just as much God as Jehovah, who is the Father. Jesus is just as much God as the Father is. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus or the Father. They are one. They are three in one. The Holy Ghost is just as much God as the Father is. And so notice, the third person of the Godhead lives in my body. So when God arises and his enemies are scattered, notice, if God is in me, and as Paul taught it, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if Christ is in you, if God is in you, then when his enemies scatter, catch it, they scatter from you. Did you ever think of it that way? When his enemies scatter, they scatter from you. Such a powerful thought, man. You got to get this. When you speak, power is released, but you're filled with the third person of the Godhead. So when he arises, hallelujah, and his enemies are scattered, they are scattered from you because you're in him and he's in you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to go to John 15. And I want you to see it with me. Gospel of John, chapter 15. Glory to God. I love this. Jesus said in the first verse, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. You see, that's verse four. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it's he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anybody does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch, withers, branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." You see that? So Jesus is teaching that we are in him and he's in us. We are in him and he's in us. Furthermore, Paul taught that the Holy Ghost is in us. Hallelujah. So when God arises, every one of his enemies are scattered. And if he's in you, then look where they're being scattered from. They're being scattered from us. You see, every enemy being scattered from us. So the power of our words 
is amazing because part of the power of our words, think about this, is praise. And when we praise him, the Bible says we activate his presence. You see that? We praise him, we activate his presence. And when we do, his power is released. But then we can confess his word. And his word never comes back empty. It never returns void. It always accomplishes what he sends it to do. So the word can't fail. You see that? The word can't fail. Put it in the comments. The word can't fail. It's impossible. The word of God cannot and will not fail. And so we we need to realize this. What's the importance of speaking what the word says over speaking how we feel or speaking what the rest of the world is saying or speaking what the culture is saying? The importance is I'll have a much different outcome than the rest of the world. Whose report will you believe? That's the question. Whose report will you believe? Now, let me just say this. What you believe definitely determines what you say. The word of God cannot and will not fail. That's it. What you believe will determine what you say all the time. We don't go around saying things that we don't believe. It's like the apostles said, we believe, therefore we speak. We say the things that we truly believe. Hmm. I, I'm drawn to this because when I ask the question, whose report will you believe? And of course the answer should be, we shall believe the report of the Lord. I want to show you something. In uh, Numbers 13, we know the story, and this is so important because this is happening right now. This is literally happening right now. People don't know it. The report you believe is vital. What you believe about what God said is vital. I kind of touched on this the other day, but I need you to hear it because man, if I could get people to understand this, God had already promised the Israelites the promised land. That's why it was called the promised land. When they got close enough to send spies in, they did. 12 spies. You know the story. They went in. What did they see? Well, they saw how great the land was. They saw a land flowing with milk and honey. They saw all of the great things that God had prepared for them. But notice this. They also saw the giants. And then when they came back to the rest of the assembly, we know what happened. Ten of them gave a report about the negative. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, gave a report that was filled with faith. But I looked at this in, in Numbers 13. I'll start reading with verse 30. 
But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. We are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. Look at this. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying, the land through which we've gone to spy out, it's a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw are of great height. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. Notice what the Bible says about it. The Bible says that they actually gave them an evil report. This translation says a bad report. One translation says an evil report. I'm going to pull it up just to read it to you. King James Version, they brought up an evil report of the land. You see that? Let me, let me pop another one open. So whether it's evil, bad, they mean the same thing. How do you determine? Now, now here's the question. How do you determine what an evil report is? And how do we not believe it? So here, here's the first question. What's an evil report? Well, in this context, let me explain to you what it was. An evil report is a report that contradicts what God already said. That is massive. If anything drops on you today, let that drop on you like a ton of bricks. An evil report is one that contradicts what God already said. Please understand that. Because when we are making a decision about how to align our words, we've got to see this. Got to see this. An evil report is one that we could believe if we wanted to and confess like they did if we wanted to. An evil report contradicts what God already said. So if we find something that God said in his word and our confessions, declarations, don't line up with this, but contradict it, then we are actually giving life to evil. Oh man, that's heavy. Catch that with me today. I mean, that is a powerful thought. Let me say it again. If we speak and confess or declare something that contradicts the word of God, we are giving life to something that's evil. And the Bible calls it an evil report. I just, watch this, I just breathed life into evil by contradicting with my words, which carry power, by contradicting what God already said. This huge man, catch this. And so when you look at it, the thing that Joshua and Caleb did that the other 10 apparently weren't able to do 
was look beyond the opposition and see the fullness of their promise. Because you understand, think about how Joshua and Caleb talked about and thought about their opposition. What did they say? They said, well, let's let's go up at once. Let's go up at once. We're well able to take the land. What do you think? You think Joshua and Caleb didn't see the giants? Of course they saw them. Joshua and Caleb saw the giants. But what, what did they say? Let's go right now. Let's go immediately. We are well able to take that land. Do you know what else they said? I'm going to break this back out from, from further faster because this needs to be heard again. Needs to be heard again. I'm going back to the chapter that's called Giants for Dinner. Listen to this. In the 14th chapter of Numbers, one chapter later, ninth verse, they were pleading with the assembly. Think about it. They came back so full of faith and they were pleading with the assembly to not live in unbelief and doubt. Listen, they said, don't rebel against the Lord. That's what was going on. See, see, it wasn't just semantics. It wasn't just, well, you know, they don't just, they don't see it the way we do. No, he was saying that if you believe what these 10 are saying and act on that, you will rebel against the Lord. You'll rebel. And don't fear the people of this land for they are bread for us. Thank you, Jesus. And their protection is removed from them. That's powerful right there. And the Lord is with us, so don't fear them. That's Numbers 14.9. You need to mark that in your Bible with every pen, every underline, every highlighter that you've got. Numbers 14.9. Don't rebel against the Lord. An evil report is rebellion against the Lord. Why? Because it's calling God a liar. What do I mean by that? If God already said the land is yours, go take it. Then you go and say, oh, actually, Lord, there were giants in there. I guess it's not ours. We're not big enough to take it. We're not strong enough to take it. That We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do it. We're not able. You just called God a liar. You might as well go up into heaven and try to slap God in the face because his word is him. Oh, hallelujah. He is his word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John 1, 1. So when they came back with what the Bible calls an evil report, some translations, a bad report. Actually, I'd be interested to see what some of these other ones say. Hey, Caleb, love you, buddy. I'd be interested to see what some of these other ones say. If they stick with bad, bad report in that one. Let me read another one here. What does the Amplified say? An evil report. Amplified says evil. What does this say? Bad report. So every translation says either a bad report or an evil report. And see, what what caused it to be so evil? 
It was a contradiction of God's promise. I said, it's your land. No, 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 it's not. It's the giant's land and they're bigger than us. Listen, if God said you have it and it's yours, why would you not know? Think about this. These are the same people. I mean, how often does God have to move in your life for you to recognize his eternal power? These are the same people that while they were in Egypt, it was God releasing plagues upon their captors. The same people that watched as the death angel went through town and killed their enemies. This is the same people that watched as God brought water out of a rock to give them something to drink. These are the same people that experienced manna in the wilderness. The same people, by the way, that walked through dry ground in the Red Sea and came across on the other side, and then God let the seas fall and destroyed all their enemies. How many times does God have to move for you to believe his word? I mean, it's not like these were, <laughs> it's not like these were uh, amateurs. They had seen miracle after miracle, after miracle, after, it's like how many miracles have to happen before you, I mean, you're telling me, because this is the thought process. Let me give you the logic. You're telling me God can send a death angel without you having to swing one sword. God can send a death angel through the city and through the nation and kill all the firstborn in one night, including the livestock, but he can't take out some giants. You're telling me God can part the waters of the Red Sea so you walk across on dry ground and then let them fall back on your captors and destroy all of your enemies, but God can't take out some giants? I mean, you've seen these things. And that's why the Bible calls it an evil report. They weren't amateurs. They knew what their God could do, but somehow they still allowed unbelief and fear and doubt to craft and mold their confession. It's demonic. It's totally demonic. And it's happening still today that there are believers, children of God, that confess that they know God is all-powerful and they know he's the master of all, a creator of the heavens and the earth, but yet they still align their confession with an evil report and they contradict God's holy written word. I don't understand it. And that's why I'm telling you, this, this, is, this is what causes. That's why I started it right off the bat, not to bring condemnation, during this time of quarantine and everything else that's going on. My desire is never to bring condemnation, but to allow, to speak in such a way that the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to your heart to understand what the word says. That's why I said that phrase at the beginning of quarantine. These hands either catch and spread diseases or they heal the sick. But they can't do both. One of them is an evil report. And the other is what God said. <laughs> you see that? 
One of them is an evil report. The other one is what God already said. Let's just read it in case anybody's new. Just in case anybody jumped on because someone shared it and you saw it. Mark 16, verse 15 through 20. And he said to them, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to all of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So in case there's any Bible scholar on here today that wants to contradict that verse because it's the longer ending of Mark, and you think that that's not part of the Word of God, just jump over to James 5. Because there's no controversy surrounding James 5. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church who will lay their hands upon them and the prayer of faith and anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. If there's any issue because of Mark 16 and you think that that's the only place where the Bible talks about the laying on of hands, how do you deal with what Jesus said in John 14, 12, where the Bible says, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to be with my father. So anything Jesus did, he said you would do with the exception of crucifixion and resurrection. Of course, you've already been crucified with Christ, but I'm talking about you won't die for the sins of the world. But all of the other works that he did, you will do also because the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And if Jesus laid hands on the sick, you can lay hands on the sick. So you have to ask yourself the question, evil report versus what God already said. Either these hands and this body catches and spreads disease or it heals the sick. But it can't be both. How can I catch and spread disease when when I touch disease... It has to die. Healing has to come. Deliverance has to come. How can I? How can I do both? How can I spread a disease if disease has to die when it touches my body? Can't be both. It cannot be both. So the question we must ask ourselves then is, am I unknowingly or knowingly aligning myself with an evil report. When I speak, am I giving life to evil? Because that's literally what the Bible says about these men. Is that they had an evil report, a bad. It, it didn't come from God's spirit, I can tell you that. Did not come from God's spirit. And the two men, just to show it to you, the two men who came back with faith were regarded in the Bible. We're talked about. Caleb got, a, uh, got to say 45 years later, I'm stronger today at 85 than when I was a spy at the age of 40. You understand? He continued in faith. He continued in strength. Joshua was so full of faith that he became the next leader of the nation. And the Deuteronomy 34, the Bible says Moses 
laid his hands upon Joshua and imparted wisdom, and the whole assembly of Israel shifted their allegiance to Joshua, and he led them into the promise. Notice, it was the one who kept a report of faith who was allowed to lead them into the promise. None of those other 10 guys did. And you say, well, how come Joshua did it over Caleb? Because Joshua is the one that got the impartation from Moses. That's why. Impartation is important. So I want you to hear this today. I have to make a decision. And I refuse, by the way, like a fool, to align my words with the uh, report of this world. I refuse. You think I'm going to say what the world is saying? That is foolish. You honestly think I would ever say what I heard on the news? Well, you know, they're saying. I mean, think about the stuff people say that are Christians. Well, they're saying, brother, and I, I, I can see it happening. There's, there's going to be a second wave in, in the fall and winter of coronavirus. going to be a second wave. We better, we better hunker down. We better believe. You're going to say what they're saying on the news? That's where you're going to uh, let your confession originate? Think of it. Where? Okay, ask the question. Put it in the comments. From where does my confession originate? Where does my confession originate? Ask it in the comment section. This is what we've got to go back to all the way from the beginning. This is why I'm so excited Carolyn's putting this book out. Because we need to ask the question, where does my confession originate? What was the origin point of what I'm saying? What was the origin point? Is it something I heard an unbeliever say? Is it something I heard on the news? Is it something I can see with the natural eye that's negative? Or is it something I read in his word? Where does my confession originate? I'm asking the question today because it's vital for us to catch it. Where? Why am I saying these things? Why do I say what I say? That's really going to be the thing that you, that you ask yourself introspectively. Why do I say what I say? Do you know? I got so serious about this because I, it's not because I'm some weird word of faith, you know, stickler. It's, it's not why. It's because I understand words carry power. So I don't say stupid things over my life or family. I'll give you another, uh, I'll go further with it. I don't even say or engage in colloquialisms that I grew up with in West Virginia. I don't even do that. Many times we say things because we grew up hearing people say them, but they don't line up with God's word. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. If you grew up in the country like I did, you might hear some of those old colloquialisms used where somebody says, hey, buddy, how you doing? And somebody will reply, well, I'm hanging in there. If you've ever heard that response, throw a hand up in the comments. Well, I'm hanging in there. Have you heard that? How's it going today? Well, buddy, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> Tell me if you've heard that. 
Hey, how's it going, man? Well, I'm getting by. I'm living. Have you heard stuff like this? Please tell me you have. I'm not the only one. How you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there. I'm getting by. I'm living. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, literally, uh, people respond that way. Christians respond that way. You'd be walking into church on a Sunday morning shaking people's hands. How's it going, man? Well, I'm hanging in there. That, that's that's going to be your answer? Kelly said, I just heard it today from a coworker. Seriously, that's going to be your answer. As a spirit-filled believer who is an overcomer, who's more than a conqueror, who's the head, not the tail, who's seated in heavenly places. Let's just break a few things down. You're more than a conqueror. You are, yeah, still breathing. How you doing? Still breathing, brother. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You're always the head, never the tail. You're above, not beneath. You're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You're filled with the very power of the Holy Ghost. So literally, let's just use those eight things. How can you look at those eight facts and then conclude, I'm hanging in there. (laughs) Nobody, no, no sportscaster or sports commentator would ever use those phrases to describe a team that just won the World Series, the Super Bowl, the World Cup, the Premier League, Champions League. Nobody would ever use the Stanley Cup. They would never use those words to describe those teams. You know. I mean, think about it. When we just had the ladies, the U.S. ladies win the World Cup last year. Nobody got on TV and said, well, I'll tell you, the, uh, the ladies, the, women, the U.S. ladies national team, they're really hanging in there uh, for this tournament. They're, they're just hanging in. No, they were destroying teams. They were destroying teams. Nobody worth their salt on to, well, they're, they're just hanging in there. No, they're destroying people. Ended up winning the World Cup. Well, you know, they're just hanging in there. They're getting by. They're not getting by. They're overcoming. They're conquering every single person that comes in front of them. They're conquering. Winning. They're at the peak, the pinnacle. Nobody that has a brain is going to look at that team and say, well, you know, they're they're getting by. They're, they're just, they're living. No, they are the best. They're the champions. No one's better. No one's higher. No one's greater. And so if you understand those truths about what God said about you, We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. We're seated in heavenly places. We're above and not beneath. We're the head, not the tail. Blessed coming and going out. How can you describe yourself as hanging in there? Whether it's a colloquialism or not, break it. Break that foolish speaking. And don't say those foolish things over your, well, brother, you're just being a stickler. No, we're not being sticklers. We're saying what the word of God said. Thank you, Tina, for sowing a seed. Love you. We're saying what the word of God said. Well, I'm hanging in there. I'm getting by. I'm living, still breathing. It's like, brother, 
Open your Bible, crack it open, and read what the Lord God said about you. You're an overcomer. I can't lose. You can't lose because of Christ, because of the Holy Ghost that's living on the inside of you. You can't lose. You can't lose. Woo, glory to God. I wish somebody would help me with like a virtual amen corner and put it in the comment section. I can't lose. I can't lose. How can I lose when I'm attached to the winner? How can I lose when I'm attached to the winner? I can't. I can't. <laughs> it's impossible. Somebody pop it in and help me out today. I can't lose. Woo! Glory to God. That's it. Impossible to lose. Cannot. Cannot. I cannot lose. Cannot. And I will not. I can't be defeated and I won't quit. I remember Pastor Hagen used to say that. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Can't be defeated because I'm connected to Christ and I have the power of the Holy Ghost. I won't quit because I have faithfulness as a part of my life. That's it. We are not doubters. Amen, Kim Hughes. So I want you to I want you to hear this today. The value of having your confession aligned with what God's word says, meaning if I say what he said, I can never be wrong. Think about the power of that. If I say what he says and said, I can never be wrong. I like that, Joshua. All I do is win. You can't lose. You can't lose. So what are we going to do? I'm going to align my words with what God's word says. Jesus did that and he began to prophesy things that were prophesied in scripture. You know, he said, I, this, I will tear down this temple three days. I'll raise it back up again. Prophesying his own resurrection. They thought he was talking about Herod's temple. He wasn't talking about his own physical body torn down. And in three days, I'll raise it back up. So what happened? I've preached this. If you've never seen it, you got to catch it. When Jesus said that by prophecy in three days, I will raise it back up again. Do you understand that he sent out of his mouth a prophetic word that traveled into the future and waited for him in the tomb? The Holy Ghost was there by his power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So the spirit of God raised Christ's body from the dead. Romans 8, 11. And now he lives in you. But notice this, the Holy Ghost waited for Christ in the tomb until the third day. And then the very thing that came out of Jesus' mouth in the time frame that he spoke it raised him back to life. Man, that will stir you up when you start to recognize that that word that he spoke and prophesied was waiting on him. Whoo, glory to God. Anybody that's been attached to this ministry and you've been with us since last fall when we started confessing violent increase and expedited favor 
And then we began to say that the final six months of this year will be the greatest six months that we've ever had in the history of any year. Our word is now in the final part of this year waiting on us to arrive. When we begin to declare and confess before June 30th comes to an end, I'll hold my testimonies in my hand in Jesus' name. Then understand the power of God that's been released through our words is you can have what you say. You can speak to the mountain, tell it to be taught, thrown into the sea. If you believe in you and don't doubt in your heart, you shall have whatsoever you say. So understand, I can have what I say and so can you. So my testimonies are waiting because my word is waiting for me. You understand what we're saying? So when we move into the last half of this year with our testimonies already in our hand from June, and I've been confessing it since last year, God will do everything in the first six months so that we'll have to set all new goals for the second half, which he's already doing for us. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you soon. But you recognize that when God does that, we step into the last half, our words waiting on us. Thank you, Chrissy Kaufman, for sowing a seed. Love you. And if you're, if you're feeling to sow a seed, you need to sow it now. Don't wait. If you feel to partner with us, partner now. Don't wait. Do what the Lord's telling you to do. I know God's moving on people's hearts. And we're believing for people to stand with us in partnership. Go to miracleword.com. Open up another tab in your browser, on your phone, and, and stand with us monthly. I'm telling you, stuff's getting ready to blow up and people aren't even ready. Stuff's getting ready to blow up. I'm talking about in the good way. I talked to our bishop last night. Spoke with bishop after the service. And, and, and we were just talking again about the word of the Lord that hit on December 31st that this year is going to be a flow of the Holy Ghost, that there's going to be a mighty increase like we've never seen. It's going to get hectic in the last six months of this year. That's our harvest season. It's our harvest season. We're getting ready to harvest like we've never harvested. You hear me when I tell you that. We're about to harvest like we've never harvested in the last six months of 2020. If you thought that this nation was going to be destroyed by the enemy, think again. Think again. I'm not talking like the world's talking. I'm talking like the word is talking. We're getting ready to harvest like we've never harvested. <laughs> Woo, glory to God, I felt that. We're about to harvest like we've never harvested in the last half of this year. And the devil can't do a thing about it. Not a thing. He's not a part of that system of seed time and harvest. He's not a part. He can't do anything to hinder my harvest. Come on. If you want to get with me on this, put it in the comments. My harvest is unhinderable. I don't even know if that's a word, but I just made it up. My harvest is unhinderable. You can't stop it, baby. You can't stop it. <laughs> the devil must be pulling his hair out. <laughs> he must be pulling his hair out, knowing he can't stop what's about to happen and what's already taken place. What a fool. What a fool. My harvest is unhinderable in Jesus' name. My harvest 
is unhinderable. Lord, bring blessed the money needed to take care of what they need for the apartment in Jesus' name. Bless them. Bless, blessed. My harvest is unhinderable. Impartation is huge, Al. I, I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. And I'm just telling you, it's going to hit so hard that it's going to blow the minds of natural men and women. It's going to hit so hard. I'm going to the 126th Psalm. Thank you, Ruby. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Verse 2, then our mouth was filled with laughter. And our tongue was shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, or the heathen, the Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. <laughs> and we are glad. Oh, I'm glad. I'm going to tell you that today. I'm glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negeb. Look at this, verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. <laughs> How do you sow in tears? There are people that have never stepped up to the place where they sowed something that they could feel it in their flesh. They flippantly gave it to God. Those that sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, this is the sixth verse, shall come home with shouts of joy, <laughs> bringing his sheaves with him. That's his harvest. So, so see this. Some people... Like we've had people come in and say, well, you know, I don't believe in that sowing and reaping because I've given before. I've just never seen a harvest come back. I love what my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, told him. He said, oh, no, it's come back because God's not a liar. It's just that your seeds have been so small that when your harvest came, you didn't even recognize it. See, we're not talking about tiny stuff, flippantly throwing it into the kingdom. We're talking about those who sow in tears it's not even halfway through the years yet and I've sown so much, so much already that it would, religious people would pee their pants if we showed them the ledger. I've already sown, sown, not, I don't, my wife and I don't sow little seeds. We don't sow little seeds. We refuse to do that. We refuse to give God something that means nothing. We refuse. We won't do it. We never do it. If we're going to sow, we sow. And I want to be those that sow in tears and reap in joy. I want my flesh to question me. Hallelujah. 
I want my flesh to question me when I sow. I say, hold on, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? What are you doing? I want my flesh to say that. Because see, the flesh is at war with the spirit. My flesh isn't perfect. It's not perfect. My flesh is not yet glorified. My flesh is at war with my spirit. When I get ready to release an offering, I want my flesh to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't write any more zeros. Stop writing zeros. Stop writing zeros on that check. <laughs> and then I want my spirit to rise up and say, shut up. <laughs> Sowing in tears, reaping with shouts of joy. I want my flesh to question what my spirit man is doing. Because until my flesh is questioning and has a hard time with it, then it's not what pleases God. If I Listen, if I can do it in my flesh, it's not faith. Oh man, I'm teaching something today that I didn't even plan on teaching you and I'm glad you're here to hear it. Listen, if you can do something in your flesh, it doesn't require faith. That's why we've had to make up our minds, Carolyn and me, that we won't do things in the flesh. I'm not going to give God something that's that means nothing to me. I want my flesh to say, no, no, you should keep that. You should keep that for you. And the flesh does say that. The flesh does say that. No, 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 no. Ted, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop, 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 stop with the zeros. Keep that for you. Keep that for you. You know, your ministry needs that too. Oh, yeah, yeah. But let me tell you something. The reason my ministry is going to overflow always always be blessed is because I'll never hoard. I'll never hoard. Never, never. My flesh, until it gets glorified, will always fight back against what I'm going to do in the spirit because I'm not going to do anything flippant. I'm not going to do anything small. I'm not going to do anything that God would not be pleased with because it didn't take any faith. Mm-hmm. That's it. So you can keep on whining flesh, crying flesh, but you're going to do what the word of God says to do. You're going to do what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. And we're going to be big givers. Carolyn and myself have made up in our minds. We are going to be big givers, my friend. <laughs> they that sow, the, sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Coming home, bringing their sheaves with them. And this year is going to blow to a new level for every one of us that are faithful to God's instructions. That includes your family and mine. I'm telling you, man, this year is already blowing my natural mind. But just get ready for July through December. It's about to blow up. It's about to blow up. And you're included in that. God's going to bless you who are faithful as well. <laughs> I had, Can I tell you? I had something completely different to share with you today from the word. The Lord didn't let me get into any of it because this is a word he wanted you to hear. This is a word he wanted you to hear today. This was totally led by the spirit. I have no notes anyway. It's just what the Lord wanted you to hear. That there's power in what we're saying. There's power in what we're doing. My confession, my actions 
are going to always line up with the, with the written word of God that God already gave us. I refuse to contradict what God said. I refuse to contradict what God has already said. I'll not do it. I will say what he said. Well, you know, brother, there's a, there's a virus out there. Not for me. There's not a virus out there for me. Hear me. It's not for me. I have no chance of catching this virus. I have no chance of catching this virus. I could lick every escalator handle and run my tongue over every door handle that I go through. I could breathe in everybody's sneezes and coughs in tightly enclosed spaces, and I still have zero chance of catching a virus like this. None. I make up in my mind. See, you have to make up in your mind. Either God's word is true. I know it is gross. Either God's word is true or what the world is saying is true. Now listen, whichever one you adhere to will be true for you. Think about that for a second. Whichever one you adhere to will be true for you. So let me give it to you this way, because Christians are not exempt from getting sick. Christians aren't exempt from catching viruses. Christians are not exempt from poverty and lack. They're not exempt from divorce. But understand, whichever one you align yourself with, you breathe the power into it to prosper in your life. So if I align myself with that way of thinking, man, this needs to be heard. If I align myself with that way of thinking, that I'm, I'm as susceptible, susceptible to all these things as everybody else. I'm as susceptible to disease and to sickness and to virus and bacteria as anybody else. I need gloves. I need a mask. I need a hazmat suit. I mean, if you're going to live that way, then you better buy that stuff. You better drench yourself in sanitizer every single day. You better jump into a tub of sanitizer. If that's the way you're going to live and align your words and confession with that. But on the other side, if you're going to stand with what God's word says and align your words and faith with that, it's a different story. It's a different story. If you're going to believe what the news says about your finances and the economy, you see, you can have that. But you can also align your life with what God's word says about your finances and have that. You can walk in violent increase when everybody else is decreasing. You can be blessed when the world's in a mess. Why? By your obedience to the word and your ability to speak a faith report, not an evil report. I refuse to speak an evil report. And I've got a word for tomorrow. I'm going to give you tomorrow what God gave me for today unless he changes it again. But you had to hear this today because there it needs to come a time. That's why I'm encouraging you to grab, grab that book Carolyn's getting ready to drop. Grab it because it's going to bless you. It's going to teach you. How you align your words, creating, notice the subtitle, creating boundaries that your enemy cannot cross. By what? Your words. Creating barriers and boundaries your enemy can't cross by your faith and your words.
And so I want to pray for you here at the end of the broadcast today and ask God to fill you. First of all, I'm going to ask him to give you a fresh impartation. You already received an impartation of the word today, but I'm going to ask the Lord that he would give you a supernatural impartation of the gift of faith to live like this, to let this be your daily story of how you operate. And I know he will. I know he will. And as you live this way, your faith rises, things have to change. That's why I'm saying you give life to whatever you choose to say, to whatever you choose to believe. You give life to it by your words. So I want you to bow your head. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying now for every man, every woman that's watching or listening. And I'm asking you today, Lord, release an impartation of your power, your faith into every heart in Jesus' name. A gift of faith to stand above what the world is saying and doing and say and do what you have already said and have already done. I thank you, Lord, we'll never be on the level of the unfaithful. We will never be on the level of the disobedient. We'll not have their story be our story because our faithfulness, our dedication takes us to another level. And so today, we declare increase is hitting before June ends and the final six months of this year will be the greatest that we've ever seen by the power of God. We expect increase like we've never known. We expect to see the blessings of God that make rich and add no sorrow because you're a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. And that's what we're doing. We're seeking you diligently. And we thank you today. We give you praise, honor, and glory today in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, throw some fire in the comments. Let me know you're standing with us and you're believing. Let me show you. And I can see how the Lord is even doing this by his spirit leading us. Check this. Look what we're giving for every person that's standing with us this month. The law of confession by Dr. Bill Winston had to be the Lord that gave our team this for the month of June. Because this is what the Lord has us on. It's what he has us receiving. This book is one of the most powerful books on the power of your words that you'll find. Dr. Bill Winston, one of the greatest faith teachers alive on the earth. And for all those that are standing with us this month at $85 or more, this is the gift we want to give you for the month of June. The law of confession. Powerful. Nobody teaches this today, I believe, as well as Dr. Winston. And we're going to send you this as your gift and our way to say thank you for standing with us. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to prayerfully consider standing with us in partnership. God has sent so many wonderful people that, that are already standing with us, but notice God has a plan to take you higher. And I want you to pray. There's people that you could right now stand with us at $85 a month. Many people are doing more than that. You know what's blown my mind? Is that this year God's been filling people with faith in such a way that we're getting messages and calls that people want to increase their partnership giving. 
People that used to be at 50 are jumping to the 85 or 100. People that were 85 jumping to 100, 150, 200. We have people standing with us at 500 a month, 750 a month. People sewing 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000. People are increasing. You know why? Because the faith level's rising. Expectation level's rising. And so here's what I want you to do. Ask the Lord today. What is it that I can do to stand with Miracle Word Ministries with Ted and Carolyn as they're touching the world? You know, I was so happy to see the hunger that people had in just last week. I mean, a meeting that was only supposed to go two days was extended three times in revival. And what was supposed to be two days turned into 13 services over nine days. We had people that drove in from three hours. We had groups that drove in from six hours and groups that drove in from seven hours to be a part of the revival because people are hungry and you're a part of that. As you're standing with this ministry, you are a part of what God's doing through Miracle Word Ministries. And so ask the Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And here's the easiest way to do it. No matter where you're watching or listening, what country or what platform, if you'll go to miracleword.com, you can click on the give tab or the partner tab and you can sow a monthly seed. You can sign up and it'll become a seed that you sow every single month recurring at whatever level the Lord is asking you to stand with us. Maybe it's maybe right now it's $50. Maybe it's 85. Maybe it's 100. Maybe the Lord's speaking to somebody today to sow $1,000 a month from their business. Do what the Lord's telling you to do and you will be blessed. You will be blessed. So Lord, speak to every man and woman today. Give them their instruction. And as they obey their instruction, I thank you that their harvest that you designed for them is coming quickly in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now do what he's asking you to do. Of course, for those of you that are sowing largely, and we appreciate it very much, very much, $1,000 or more, we're going to send you this Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible and also this hardcover edition of Further Faster, limited edition. I'm going to sign both to your family to say thank you, to tell you we love you. It's our gift to you in this uh, in this month and this year for standing with us at $1,000 or more in your seed that you're sowing. And I want to say thank you because we love and appreciate you. You have an opportunity to get involved with what God's doing in the world right now. And let me just say, I'm joining my father. Next week, I'm going to leave and we're headed towards West Virginia, the eastern part, northeastern West Virginia, where my father's setting up the tent. We're going to preach. We're going to bless people. We're going to pray for people. We're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. This year is just getting started. The best days we've seen in this year have not even hit yet. They've not even hit yet. And the Lord, he already told us what he's going to do. Drape his glory over this nation and give us another space of revival and grace. And so I'm excited, man. You have an opportunity to get involved with what God's doing by standing with us in partnership. And I really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to be in Moorefield, West Virginia. Moorefield, West Virginia, setting up the tent in the Moorefield City Park. And I'm looking forward to it. 
getting back under the tent. It's going to be great. Let me say this again. If you missed this, Carolyn's brand new book is coming out very soon. This is what we're talking about. Confessions that create boundaries your enemy cannot cross. The power of your words. If you've not pre-ordered this yet, I encourage you, go on shop.miracleword.com and order this today. It's pre-orderable and you can get it like others are doing in bulk. And um, let me encourage you, it's going to be great. All the shirts are now available for the kids for the summer. These are some of the best shirts I think we've ever put out. The best. I love the yellow one with Teddy on it. Love the gray one. Love the pink one too. I should get the pink one for me. (laughs) Including the tumblers. I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. These are great, man. All kinds of stuff for your kids. Go to MiracleWordKids.com. You can get all this stuff, man. It'll be a blessing to you. I love you. I'm going to be back again uh, tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. Sorry for those of you that had issues on Facebook. I've got no idea what that's about. But let me encourage you, best thing to do is to subscribe on YouTube. If you've not subscribed and hit the bell to get notifications uh, on YouTube, please do that because it will literally, in my opinion, it's the best place. Best place. (laughs) Julie said, the bug guy's at my house and I'm laughing so hard and I can't. He said, what are you laughing at? I said, it's the Holy Ghost. (laughs) I love it. For those of you that sewn, you can also use hashtag donate on Periscope or Facebook. Uh, Cash App and Venmo are available in the U.S. as well as PayPal. MiracleWord.com, best place to sow seed. I love you guys. Moorfield, come join us. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great meeting. If you can find a place to stay, God bless you. God bless you. But I'll be back again tomorrow at 10.30 a.m. Got a word for you. I love you guys. I'm happy to be back. I can't wait to give you testimonies that are already taking place. It's our year of violent increase. Have a powerful day. Thanks for hanging with me, and I'll see you again tomorrow. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.